Friends, wizards, countrymen, lend me your extendable ears. We come to bury Aragog, not to praise him. You're listening to the Quibbler Podcast, the Harry Potter book club for orators. Farewell, Aragog, king of arachnids, whose long and faithful friendship those who knew you won't forget. Though your body will decay, your spirit lingers on in the quiet, web-spun places of your forest home. May your many-eyed descendants ever flourish, and your human friends find solace for the loss they have sustained. I'm Heather Price, right? And I'm Alex Dallenberg. And hey, we're back. Uh, PSA... Winter is tough for the depressives among us. So apologies for missing a couple of weeks, but here we are back at it again. Hang in there, winter warriors. Yeah, we get it. Right there with you. I hear you. This week, we are continuing to read Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. We are on the chapters called The Unknowable Room and After the Burial. As per usual, spoilers and cursing, yada, yada, yada. You will also hear some adult themes. This week's adult themes are Irish wakes, arachnophobia, passing your driver's test, gender bending, and getting lucky. Alex, pray tell, in the spirit of our intro, what happened this week? In this week's chapters, Harry is still puzzling over how to get Slughorn to spill the every flavor beans about his discussion. <laughs> you thought that was funny. I did think it was A little good wizard candy pun. Uh, trying to get Slughorn to tell him about his discussion with young Lovo. Harry finds himself searching for answers in the Half-Blood Prince's textbook when he stumbles upon a spell that the prince has invented called Sectum Sempra, which is labeled for enemies, and he can't wait to try it out. So, foreshadowing. We'll see how that goes for him. Hermione insists that only Harry can get the memory and that he should stop looking in the stupid book. Ron tells Hermione that he loves her when she offers to check his homework, and she sort of turns pink. Uh, so there's like a little bit more overt flirtation there. Uh, she jokes, don't tell Lavender. Uh, Ron and Lavender still going out, by the way. I mean, only technically. They're still Facebook official. Yeah. I mean, whatever the wizard version of that is. The Marauder's Map should show, like who's together. That would be awesome, That seems like a thing that the Marauders would have programmed. Super good upgrade. Are you Marauders official? (laughs) Uh, Is that your MO? Um, Anyway, (laughs) Creature and Dobby return to make a status report about their spying on Draco Malfoy. Dobby says he hasn't slept in a week. Creature just gives Draco a bunch of compliments. He's really enamored of Malfoy unsurprisingly. Dobby does produce some useful information. He says that Draco has been making regular visits to the seventh floor and using Slytherin students to keep watch. It dawns on Harry that Draco has been sneaking off to the but 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 motherfucking room of requirements, which is why he isn't showing up on the Hogwarts map, and that he's been using Crab and Goyle as lookouts. 
disguising them as other Slytherins using Polyjuice Potion that he nicked from Slughorn's office. You may recall that Slughorn was showing off a big vat of Polyjuice Potion in his introductory lesson. So, once again, the Polyjuice Potion doing work as a plot device. That also explains why the Slytherin girls with Draco during the Quidditch game were looking so sullen. It was Crab and Goyle, and they did not want to be turned into girls. The newspaper headlines are grim, which is relatable, frankly. <laughs> uh, a nine-year-old tried to kill his family under the influence of the Imperius Curse. So that is the stuff of horror movies right there. Also, Mundungus Fletcher was arrested and sent to Azkaban for impersonating an inferi during one of his capers, as well as unregistered foreign lobbying in Ukraine. <laughs> Harry starts staking out the room of requirements and tries to get it to open for him. He's just like thinking to himself, what is it that Draco is doing in you? Uh, it doesn't work. After a class with Snape, Harry and Ron duck into a bathroom to avoid lavender. It turns out Sir Nicholas isn't the only one who has been ghosting on people. <laughs> Ron has too. Uh -huh. They find Moaning Myrtle there, even though it's the men's room. She says she's been meeting up with another boy there who's been crying a lot and is very sensitive, and they really have a bond. Harry asks who it is, but Myrtle won't say who. She says she'll take the secrets, not to the grave, Ron butts in. So, way to mock a murder victim, Ron. <laughs> Hope you're happy with yourself but they don't find out who Myrtle has been meeting with. So all your faves are in these chapters. Dobby, Moaning Myrtle, it's a fucking Chamber of Secrets reunion. <laughs> uh, but the secrets are even secretier. Ron and Hermione go to Hogsmeade for extra apparition lessons. The tests are coming up, but Harry won't be old enough until July. So Harry stays behind. He uses the time to stake out the room of requirements some more. It doesn't work. He can't get into the fucking room of requirement. He does scare the shit out of Crab and or Goyle, disguised as an 11-year-old girl. He also runs into Tonks, who is there to see Dumbledore. So he wonders, what's up with that? He does posit that Tonks might be in love with her cousin. Yeah, what? Which is a little icky. Maybe that's, like, copacetic in the wizarding world? Yeah, it's interesting because he, like picks up on, oh, she's, like, lovelorn. But he's like, maybe she was in love with Sirius. And it's a little bit, like, ew. Purebloods do marry their cousins. That's true. Okay, different society. You know, them Wilkses, they always marry the cousins. Is that from... Gone with the Wind. Oh. All the Wilkses marry each other. I actually... Is that Ashley? Yeah, but that movie's canceled, so. Yeah. <laughs> in a big way. It's unbend canceled. Uh, and not for cousin-on-cousin cousin love. The next day, Harry gets a note from Hagrid. Aragog, Hagrid writes, has passed, and he wants the trio to come to the funeral. Ron and Hermione put their foot down and say, fuck no. Security is tight around the castle. Aragog likes to eat human flesh and didn't really like us except as a snack, so... We're not going, but it's really sad because the letter is all blotched with tears and uh, 
anyway. So Hagrid's gonna throw a funeral for Aragog. Do you throw a funeral? Oh, I guess you're right. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to put the fun in funeral. <laughs> I mean, Slughorn does later on. <laughs> but uh, anyway, Hermione implores Harry to soften up Slughorn while everyone is taking their apparitions tests and Potions class is going to be barely full. Harry grumbles, ugh, 57th time lucky, you think? And then Ron gets a bu bu motherfucking actual idea. <laughs> he says, lucky? Harry, that's it! Get lucky! Use the Felix Felicis when you're trying to get the memory from Slughorn. It's gonna work brilliantly. So... Harry reluctantly agrees to give it a shot. He'd sort of been hoping to use it to get lucky with Ginny, but Hermione says very reasonably, what's more important than saving the motherfucking world? <laughs> Nevertheless, Harry tries one more time to get Slughorn to talk without doping, this time by giving him an elixir to induce euphoria. Slughorn tells them all to make potions that will amuse him, but Slughorn ducks out of class without taking Harry's potion. So that night, Harry bites the bullet and takes a mouthful of Felix. He's instantly filled with confidence. He Ugh, a mouthful of Felix is... <laughs> That's what he takes! I know, but anyway, <laughs> go on. Well, it instantly fills him with confidence. <laughs> um, fills him with something. So... Immediately, to Hermione and Ron's astonishment, he decides to go down to Hagrid's for Aragog's funeral. You could say that his spider sense is tingling. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, so the Felix Felicis is having this incredible effect on him. He feels like he can't fail at anything, and that like an invisible force is kind of like lighting his way, and he's just going with his hunches on every decision. So on the way, he runs into Slughorn near the vegetable patch, who, I don't know, he's like getting some fucking herbs and fungi from Professor Sprout. Uh, I don't remember which ones. It's not Bubo Tuber Pus. Harry tells Slughorn where he's going, because Slughorn, of course, wants to know why he's out of bed. Slughorn is intrigued by the opportunity to harvest acromantula venom, which sells for a hundred galleons a pint. So Slughorn says, I'll meet you there, I'll bring the drinks, and we'll send Aragog off in style. So he does just that. Uh, he has to change his cravat first, which right. is a really good detail. <laughs> he needs to uh, slip into something more appropriate for a giant spider funeral. So Harry and Slughorn show up at Hagrid's hut. Aragog is just fucking out back, like <laughs> belly up, <laughs> you know? But Hagrid is incredibly touched that Slughorn and Harry both came. He says Aragog would have been so pleased. He'd be just fucking psyched. Uh, agog. Slughorn gives a kick-ass funeral speech. He says... The evil spiders do lives after them. The good is often turned with their legs. Stuff like that. After the burial, Hagrid and Slughorn get absolutely tanked and start singing songs and just, you know, having like, like getting real. Like it gets real. Harry, however, 
does not drink anything, and when the conversation turns to his parents, Harry then uses the opportunity to press Slughorn for the memory. He says, you know, you were really close with my mom. I'm not really doing this moment justice, because it's intense. Harry describes in graphic detail how his parents were killed and how his mother died to save him, and then he says, that's why you need to help me out, Professor. Be brave. Be brave like my mother. He also tells Slughorn, yes, I am the chosen one. Slughorn is utterly broken by the story. Tears in his eyes. He removes his wand and withdraws the untampered with memory and gives it to Harry and says, don't think too badly of me, boy. And then passes out. And that's what happens in this week's chapters. I just want to, at the top here, name that uh, Ron would absolutely have failed out of Hogwarts if he had never become friends with Hermione. I mean, yeah. And Harry's debatable. Oh, yeah. I mean, Harry... Harry might have been able to muddle through, but uh, Hermione's a big fucking crutch. She's more than a crutch. She's, uh... Oh, she's like the only thing Ron's keeping him in school. leg <laughs> of academia. Um, this is kind of a funny moment, though, where she, like... She fixes the various spelling errors on his homework because he's using the spell check pen. Basically, Fred and George have invented, like, magic clippy that sort of, like, suggests words for you or whatever. Or wizard autocorrect. And, like, autocorrect often does. It's not working so well. Wait, I'm sorry. Did you understand this as a quill that was supposed to work? Was Alex, it a joke? This is a fucking prank. Oh, wow. I would have fallen for this. I thought the spell was just wearing off. No, it's a prank quilt. Oh my god. Fred and George made a quote spell check quill that is in fact a prank quill meant to make your spelling crazy. Wow. I would have completely fallen for that. That's why the Clippy joke isn't funny. I was like, no, this is the opposite of Clippy. This is actively meant to wreak havoc it's, on your cover letter. It's evil Clippy. <laughs> it is evil Clippy. Clippy's evil twin. Cloppy. Cloppy. Oh, God. <laughs> hey, nice looking cover letter you got here. Be a shame if something happened to it. I, uh, okay, well, fuck. I should probably edit that out to avoid looking no, like an idiot. But I now, think it's no, really now, funny. now I'm bound to leave it in. Okay, fine. No, that's obviously a prank <laughs> quill. They sell pranks for oh, a living. I am not smart. Neither is Ron am... for using a Fred and George made quill and thinking that it's going to do the thing it says it's supposed to do. I have lost the right to ever dunk on Ron again. Yeah. I think. I have maintained that right. I'm sorry, Ron. You and I, you and I aren't so different, Ronald Weasley. I mean, you I'm not going to so that. <laughs> no, look, we get a lot of feedback on how hard we are on Ron. And I guess we sort of hear and internalize and understand that feedback. I think I have a really strong reaction to Ron because I've just dated this boy and they use you. I have done my boyfriend's homework for him. And like, it didn't feel good. And I think, oh God, I get that Ron is like loyal and funny and a good character and blah, blah, blah. But in the context of his relationship with Hermione, I continue to maintain that he's a dick. 
I guess we're meant to think that she kind of likes doing it because she's into school. No. I don't know. You don't like being taken advantage of. Right. Except sort of superficially when you want to feel necessary in the life of someone you really care about who is taking advantage of you. Most of their interactions are Hermione fucking covering for Ron. What does he do for her? People are like all this nebulous shit of like, oh, he like chills her out and like, but like. Does he chill her out? No. Seems like she's way more stressed whenever he's around. He makes her, yeah, really anxious and (laughs) uncomfortable a lot of the time and throws her emotions into havoc and uses her for her grades. And he loves her. I don't deny that he loves her. I just don't. I don't think he's being very good to her. I do like the moment where he outright says, I love you, Hermione. But... Because it's like joking, not joking. I don't know. I think that part's kind of... It's a little sweet and a little, like, edgy. Because they're, like, creeping up to the edge of recognizing this. I think it's manipulative. I don't think he does it manipulatively. Maybe not. Maybe I not. Think, I don't think I give Ron enough credit. I I've think been told he's that sort of, before. I think he's loosening up because he had his like weird transcendent near-death experience. Yeah, fair enough. But like... But he's still not dumping lavender, so what the a, hell? A, he's not yeah. dumping lavender. And B, the only thing he's doing is making Hermione do his homework. <laughs> and like, he does this weird helpless act of like, oh no, I'll have to do it all over again. And she's like, oh, Ronald. And like fixes it for him. Just write it over again. I don't know. I'm sorry. I, I, I cannot help it. And I must have a really personal grudge against this kind of boyfriend. But God, I just like, I need J.K. Rowling to give me a sense of what the fuck Ron has to offer in this situation. Because I don't see it. I don't see it. He's funny. A lot of boys are funny. Funny just doesn't get you very far with a high school boy. Ugh, sorry. I guess they're all dicks. So like, it may as well be a funny one. A funny dick. Ugh. All right, let's change the subject to changeability. Polyjuice potion. This doesn't really have anything to do with this chapter. Just kind of a stray thought I had. But it just randomly occurred to me. Polyjuice potion in the wizarding world feels like something that would be used way more for sex than capers. <laughs> I mean, among adult wizards, yeah. Like, if you're in a consenting relationship, this is like roleplay juice, basically. I mean, the only thing is, like, you like, need... Wi- wizards would be really fucking kinky. I think just in general, wizards would be really kinky. Like, there's all kinds of crazy ways to, like, do it with magic. And I'm sure this is amply explored in the wide world of erotic Harry Potter fanfiction, which I don't really partake of. Uh, if you do, though, that's cool. Um, I, you know, I have read some Harry Potter erotica, and I have to say, it doesn't make as much use of the wild magical opportunities that exist as as I would hope. Hmm. Sometimes it's just like Draco and Harry boning, and they're not doing anything <laughs> weird. A lot of the time it's Draco and Harry boning. Let's be real. <laughs> That is a mighty popular slash. Um, but seriously, though, Polyjuice Potion? You think people would turn into, like... Other people, probably. But, like, who? I, whoever they wanted to, man. Well, you can't you know turn what I mean? in, No, you can't turn into whoever you want. 
Because you need a piece of the person you want to turn into. I mean, it'd be easy to procure a piece of the person you wanted to turn into, theoretically. No, it wouldn't. What if you wanted to turn turn into, like, Beyonce? Like, the way I see this working, I mean, because otherwise, what? Like, you're going to role play as, like, your friends having sex? All kinds of things turn people on, man. People have all kinds of, like, fantasies. And I was just thinking, like, every technology... Like, the first thing we use it for is, like... Porn. Porn. It's rule... What rule of the internet is that? Uh, What's the meme? It's rule 34 of the internet. If it exists, there's porn of it. So... What's rule 33? I don't... I think it's just a joke. Like, it's just an arbitrary number. I don't know. We'll have to go to know your meme. Doesn't it feel like rule number one of the internet? The numbering... Rule one of the internet is never tweet. (laughs) The nomenclature Uh, aside... (laughs) But, you know, like every, like the fucking first thing we put on the internet, basically. Uh, That's probably not actually historically accurate, but porn was pretty soon uh, introduced to the World Wide Web. I am fairly confident. You know, you know, though, Uh, like. I, what I can imagine happening is there being a booming trade among the sort of like stylist, hairdresser, makeup artist the shadier versions of these professions trafficking in the biological material of famous people online so you could use it in Polyjuice Potion. Don't you feel like you'd be able to buy hair from like Taylor Swift's hairbrush? From some kind of unsavory... Mundungus Fletcher? And then it's like actually... Cat hair? (laughs) Which honestly, there's a lot of cat hair on Taylor Swift all the time. I just imagine that to be the case. So that's like a fair confusion. Well, that should clearly be against the law. Oh, yeah, it should be. But there would be a black market in celebrity detritus that you could use for polyjuice. It actually seems like it should be highly illegal to impersonate anyone using polyjuice potion. Like that's that's literally identity theft. Like regardless of like the bizarre sexual implications, which in like a fully realized wizarding world would be there because just humans are like sexual creatures uh i'm just like i don't is this a really weird digression it just i was just thinking like the 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 books are so like de-sexed but all of this stuff would be used for sex absolutely (laughs) there are so many things in the harry potter books where you're like people are boning with that absolutely no i don't think you're wrong i think polyjuice potion is an interesting one to have grabbed onto because this wasn't like a lecherous moment I was having. It just occurred to me like, huh, people would totally take Polyjuice Potion and smash. I guess I'm still trying to figure out like who you'd think they'd impersonate. Anyone or anything. I guess. Yeah. I mean, that's what Filch and Mrs. Norris are doing. So I don't think that's what's happening here, but. I don't know. It's certainly plausible. Like, is Ron gonna like polyjuice into Harry and he and Hermione are gonna smash? I mean, in a consensual relationship, if you're in, like, people have open relationships, people have. Yeah. You know, people fantasize where they pretend to be other people. Yeah, I get that. No, I think you're totally right. I, I think, think it would happen. Felix Felicis would be another one where like getting lucky would be mostly about literally getting lucky. That was sort of Harry's half-baked plan for what he wanted to do with the Felix Felicis. He was hoping that it would help him land Ginny as, like, his partner, which... Is that any better than using a love potion? Yeah, I think it's completely different. I don't think Felix Felicis, like, changes fundamentally how somebody would 
feel or respond to a given situation. Okay. My understanding of Felix Felicis is that it sort of clears the path for your intuition and your kind of like gut to be trustworthy. His feeling of elation increasing, Harry strode off through the castle. He did not have to creep along, for he met nobody on his way, but this did not surprise him in the slightest. This evening, he was the luckiest person at Hogwarts. Why he knew that going to Hagrid's was the right thing to do, he had no idea. It was as though the potion was illuminating a few steps of the path at a time. He could not see the final destination. He could not see where Slughorn came in, but he knew that he was going the right way to get that memory. When he reached the entrance hall, he saw that Filch had forgotten to lock the front door. Beaming, Harry threw it open and breathed in the smell of clean air and grass for a moment before walking down the steps into the dusk. It was when he reached the bottom step that it occurred to him how very pleasant it would be to pass the vegetable patch on his walk to Hagrid's. It was not strictly on the way, but it seemed clear to Harry that this was a whim on which he should act. So he directed his feet immediately toward the vegetable patch, where he was pleased, but not altogether surprised, to find Professor Slughorn in conversation with Professor Sprout. I hear what you're saying, but after Harry takes the Felix Felicis, he walks by Ron and Lavender, who are having a row about Ron and Hermione, so they're about to break up, which is something Harry wants, and then he overhears Ginny and Dean having a big argument. So they seem like they're on the skids. Does the Felix cause everyone to break up? No, the Felix caused Harry to overhear and feel good about and confident in things that are already happening. I think what the Felix does is put Harry in the proximity of hearing those things and having it make him feel good and feel confident. Got it. All right. Like, because Lavender and Ron were definitely going to break up. Like, the Felix Felices didn't put a wedge in their relationship, <laughs> nor did, you know what I mean? I, what it seems like the Felix Felices does to me, because this is what I really like about the Felix Felices scene, is Harry isn't unHarry in it. All of Harry's instincts seem very in keeping with his character. It just sort of clears the way for things to go well. He's not acting in a way that's different from how he would normally conduct himself. It's the confidence. I mean, which is why... Ron and Harry's experiences with the potion are really similar, even though Ron doesn't actually take it. I feel like the main effect is that it gives you this preternatural trust in your instincts and the confidence to like move forward with something kind of harebrained in a way that is smooth and cool and works. Yeah, that's how it's described to us. It doesn't seem like it's having a weird like metaphysical effect on Harry's surroundings. No, he just gets sort of access to really good intuition but it's all his skills it's all his predispositions the whole conversation with slughorn that's something that harry would be able to do not on felix felicis like he isn't given the ability to sort of emotionally manipulate a very vulnerable horace slughorn by this potion he just sort of sees the way forward in a different way. Right. But it's not... It's not, causes him to look for, like, unconventional solutions yeah. to his problems. It's like a problem-solving potion. But it doesn't change who he is or how he acts or sort of... It changes how he moves through... It changes how he moves through the world only insofar as it gives him a lot of confidence. Yeah. So potions are so useful. 
I wonder why wizards don't use them more. I mean, with the Felix, we're given to understand that you can't take it too much, otherwise it causes otherwise it causes irrational exuberance, which causes you to like bad things to happen to you, basically, because well, you stop believing you can die. Essentially, it's more than that. It causes you to over trust your gut. Mm-hmm. You make really rash decisions. I mean, it's almost it basically causes like a mania. Yeah. Where you have an overly grand sense of self and ability and you kind of trip over your own self-regard. But I still maintain that the Order of the Phoenix should have Slughorn brewing up at least a couple more batches of these for emergency situations. Why doesn't the Ministry or the Order of the Phoenix just have some of this on hand? Like another mouthful of this in Deathly Hallows wouldn't hurt Harry. I mean... I know it's like really hard to make. But it's another one of these plot devices. It's a little like the time turner. Just a bit. It's the instant, it's the cheat code. It kind of breaks everything, though. Because you see this scene and you're like, every wizard would be doing this all the time. This makes no sense to exist and not be in constant use. And that's what I wonder about, like, wizard pharmaceuticals anyway. Because they have this, like, elixir of euphoria, a pepper-up potion, just stuff that can instantly make you feel good but everybody in the wizarding world is like on the brink of despair half the time part of that is the understandable reaction to lord voldemort being in power but you think madame pomfrey would be dispensing more of these like psychotropic medications well but it's kind of the question of i mean for example with an antidepressant that doesn't fix rational reactions to sad things yeah yeah for example the euphoria potion probably doesn't correct for the fact that Voldemort's back I mean when you think about brain chemistry if we're viewing these as pharmaceuticals and like let's take the idea of a wizard antidepressant as an example it doesn't correct the world yeah it just sort of balances your reaction to the world So if everything is shitty all the time, a potion isn't going to make you not respond to that shittiness. But I mean, just in general, after Harry sees Sirius die, no one gives him like a cheering solution slightly to like kind of like take the edge off just a bit. Don't you think that's... He probably wouldn't want that. No, that's manipulative. You don't want to erase your accurate emotional responses to the world. Somebody should have given him an anti-shock potion right i guess he gets the sleeping he gets the sleeping draft yeah after the uh after the uh graveyard scene pomfrey gives him the sleeping draft so he does get some magical medication some magical xanax or something but you don't want to respond to someone's grief by giving them euphoria potion that's that would make you feel that was a silly suggestion that would make you feel totally out of control and and deeply disturbed but i do think people would be using them way more if potions oh, were my just God, yes. if potions were actual potions and not just handy like plot devices to drive uh well it, the action forward. it's also unclear how easy it is to brew home potions because everybody has taken potions class so presumably families could just have this stuff on hand yeah i guess you need the ingredients sourced which seems like Kind of complicated. Fairly difficult. It seems like one of those... you gotta pick the fucking plants when, like, the moon is half full or whatever. And Well, it seems like one of those things where people would have varying degrees of a built-out pantry. Some people are masterful home cooks and they have all kinds of 
sauces and spices and all this stuff that you have to run to specialty markets to get. Yeah. And some people have garlic salt at their houses. (laughs) I guess my overarching thought with the potions is there'd be way more sex and way more recreational use of these things. The fact that there's no drug use in these books is wild. It makes no sense. You're right. Every teenager would be constantly experimenting with potions. (laughs) Like the Half-Blood Prince textbook, in fact, should be just full of drugs. (laughs) Forget Sectum Sempra. It it would just be meth. (laughs) Not meth. Wizard meth. Wizard meth? No, Snape would be more into, like, hallucinogens. You think Snape would be into wizard LSD? Maybe. Well, just wizards in general are more into those kind of, like, effects. We don't know. I I guess I have no idea. We don't know anything about wizards' drug use. Uh, Because drug use is mysteriously missing from these books about teenagers experimenting with chemicals. The fan fiction I want to read is Fred and George discovering weed. Just muggle weed. <laughs> and then Arthur trying to slyly bum like a J from them. Yeah. <laughs> I also, you can't talk like a drug I, person. A, what? A, a marijuana cigarette? I don't know. I'm not <laughs> like really a recreational user. So uh, <laughs> I'm so fucking square. So Draco's cracking up a bit, understandably, under the stress of... Lord Voldemort's request. Do you feel sorry for Draco here? I mean, sure. He's a kid. This is a bananas thing to expect him to accomplish. It's meant to kill or maim him. It's really stressful. His life has been both very easy and very hard. Yeah, I I feel for Draco. Just a little. Like, not too much. Some. Like, I don't like him. I don't like him. But this sucks. He's in a really bad situation that he shouldn't have to be in. Because, you know, I don't know. Spoiler alert, Voldemort's super evil. (laughs) So yeah, I feel for him. So we aren't told directly who this mysterious crying boy is that Moaning Myrtle has fallen in love with. But we're given to understand that it's Draco. And then Harry has the same encounter. This encounter with Draco in potions class where he's just not himself at all not swaggering just peaked and exhausted and sad looking and I mean I think even Harry is like oh this is kind of a bummer he seems <laughs> he doesn't seem like he's in a good place obviously Harry still super mistrusts him appropriately and wants to know what the fuck he's up to but even Harry is a little bit like wow this guy's the worst for wear I like that it's Moaning Myrtle who kind of has the goods on Draco Malfoy. I just love Moaning Myrtle as a character. It's, it's so fun when she comes back. It's pretty fucked up that she's like bonding with a boy who's taking directions from her murderer. Yeah, that's dark. That's a that's pretty ugh. But um, it's also kind of a good twist. <laughs> it's funny how often crucial information comes from either Myrtle or Dobby. Yeah. They're just these two magical devices that just sort of pop up on the page every so often to be like, the plot goes this way. Poor Dobby hasn't slept in like a week, but he's sort of bragging about it. Dobby reminds me 
of like rise and grind. Dobby is Hashtag so rise, rise and grind. And grind. <laughs> yeah. You know, he's like Dobby puts very in the proud work. of his workaholism. I agree. <laughs> One other just random thought. Harry to me is really relatable in these chapters in the unknowable room chapter because he can't figure out how to get the memory from Slughorn. So he just throws himself into an extraneous task, just procrastinating. He's like, oh, I have like a 30 page paper due. So I'm going to clean my whole house. <laughs> yeah, that by is relatable. Finding out like what Draco is up to. Uh- <laughs> we also, of course, have the major scene of these two chapters to still delve into Hagrid, Slughorn, and Aragog. Here came, croaked Hagrid when he opened the door and saw Harry emerging from the invisibility cloak in front of him. Yeah, Ron and Hermione couldn't, though, said Harry. They're really sorry. Don't, don't matter. He'd have been touched your ear, though, Harry. Hagrid gave a great sob. He had made himself a black armband out of what looked like a rag dipped in boot polish, and his eyes were puffy, red, and swollen. Harry patted him consolingly on the elbow, which was the highest point of Hagrid he could easily reach. Where are we burying him? he asked. The forest? Blimey, no, said Hagrid, wiping his streaming eyes on the bottom of his shirt. The other spiders won't let me anywhere near their webs now Aragog's gone. Turns out it was only on his orders they didn't eat me. Can you believe that, Harry? The honest answer was yes. Harry recalled with painful ease the scene when he and Ron had come face to face with the Acromantulas. They had been quite clear that Aragog was the only thing that stopped them from eating Hagrid. Hagrid is over the line here. I agree. Ron and Hermione have an incredibly accurate reaction to this ask from Hagrid. I feel for Hagrid, but... Hagrid needs some adult friendships. The thing is... I know he loved Aragog, but he didn't really understand Aragog that well. No, he has... He's like, oh, Aragog would be psyched that you were here. No, he wouldn't. I don't think Aragog would give a fuck. he doesn't care. Aragog, like, barely tolerated Hagrid. (laughs) Hagrid is actually pretty... I mean, no, Aragog loved Hagrid. I disagree. I think Aragog loved Hagrid deeply. Okay. Trusted him, loved him, thought he was good news. Thought he was, you know, a father figure, basically. But... Hagrid has this myopia with creatures that makes him misunderstand their kind of fundamental way of being. Right. Like, Norbert wasn't cute. And Norbert didn't want you to think he was cute. So he's, yeah. Hagrid's, like, I guess you would call it radical acceptance is... It's admirable in a way, but it stops being admirable when Hagrid is kind of unable to see, like... Reality. The reality of the, the situation. <laughs> He has this shocking revelation that, in fact, all of these murderous giant spiders don't like him. And he's really floored to learn that Aragog was the only reason they weren't eating him. And it's like, yeah, they're wild spider creatures. They're not... You can't be friends with everything. You can have respect for all living creatures. You can be someone who sees the inherent dignity in other species fine but you can't be buddies with them yeah it's like those people that you see these videos of these people like taking a cute swimmy with like a polar bear and it's like the polar bear doesn't want to be fucking in there with you 
The polar bear <laughs> wants to be somewhere else. It doesn't love you. It's hugging you because it's trying to figure out how to crush your skull. <laughs> the polar bear doesn't love you back, bro. Those videos drive me nuts with like, I'm, truly wild animals. I'm sure there are some animal cognition people who could maybe make an opposite case. I don't know. But Do we know enough about them? My understanding is that those wild animals don't I was, want to be around I us. was thinking that Hagrid is a couple trips to the Forbidden Forest short of being the subject of a Werner Herzog documentary. Hagrid is Grizzly Man. Yeah. <laughs> He's not as terrible. Uh, not terrible. I don't want to like speak ill of the dead. He's not quite as unhinged as uh, as the Grizzly Man, but uh, although maybe he is. I'm sorry. <laughs> what evidence do you have that Hagrid is less unhinged than Grizzly Man? <laughs> Spider-Man. Nope. That's already a thing. Um, <laughs> Poor Hagrid. This is really sad. Hagrid is feeling real grief. Hagrid is experiencing real pain. And we can have total empathy for that. But I don't think Hagrid actually knew Aragog very well at all. Or has a great sense of his likes and dislikes. Because his likes are snacking on people. And his dislikes are people getting away before he can snack on them. <laughs> and that's about it. Oh, when he shoves the giant spider corpse into the huge grave that he does she describes that so well <laughs> with the sickening crunch as oh, it hits the bottom man everybody knows that sound too when you like squish like a cockroach oh god and it's like, just like exoskeleton times, just like makes that horrible times sound. a million yeah Think about that i don't want to and i'm gonna stop now and finally let's talk about horace slughorn dude slughorn it's kind of fucked up that he comes to this funeral mostly in order to swipe a pint of acromantula venom to sell on the black market. Is it fucked up? He's not hurting anyone. Yeah, but... He brings Hagrid genuine solace. Well, yeah, that's what I'm going to say. It's like, it's a little... It's not a selfless act, but he shows up, and when Horace Slughorn shows up, he, like, does it up right, you know? Yeah. Even if he's in it for himself, like, he makes it... It's not a great evening for Hagrid, but it's a like great snap. Yeah, it's a cathartic evening for Hagrid. It's like what Hagrid needed. Slughorn just really does events well, yeah. which I appreciate. He's a man who can show up for an occasion. But this is so, this is like kind of the good side of Slytherin because it's not completely altruistic, but Slughorn fucking delivers yeah. It produces good results. It's a win. It's a Slytherin win-win. It is a win-win. He's... And it turns into a win-win-win because Harry gets what he needs too. Yeah. Slughorn is selfish. Deeply selfish. A really unaltruistic person. A person whose first thought is always for himself, which I don't find an admirable quality. But he's clutch as hell. And he's clever, and he sort of uses the resources available to him in a really interesting way. He's a great Slytherin. He's my favorite example of what those qualities of Slytherin can look like in someone who isn't odious. Yeah, you can see why people would like this guy and want to hang out with him while being realistic about his shortcomings. And, you know, he's not a grifter. Yeah. He's not Gilderoy. He's not dishonest exactly he's just sort of out for himself but also totally capable of having sound 
relationships with other people. Yeah, I mean, he is there for Hagrid, who's not actually someone he would normally probably hang out with. The scene of them gradually becoming brothers, basically, (laughs) is so endearing. They actually, there's a lot in the center of their Venn diagram. Yeah. Slughorn is also, I mean, he has a genuine academic interest in Acromantulas. It's different than Hagrid's, but... Slughorn is the only person that ever really shows much interest in Hagrid's work. Yeah. I mean, he does Hagrid the service of thinking that his work with unicorns and acromantulas and all these creatures is interesting. Now, his motivations are different. Again, with the unicorn, Hagrid just gives him like a skein of unicorn hair and and Slughorn is very interested in how much he can sell it for, but... They connect over, yeah, a shared interest. And most of Slughorn's interests are primarily self-motivated. But even potions, he's into it. He thinks it's cool. He wants to see people be good at things. And part of that is always wanting to see people be good at things and then figure out how they can help him. But he's not a bad dude. I think he, as this moment with Harry shows, this like pretty intense moment, he really does care about people. He cared about Lily. Oh, yeah, deeply. Uh, He didn't get a magic goldfish from her. That's in the fucking movies, which I had forgotten. But they did have a genuine bond. He cares about Harry. He's he's really moved by Harry's pain. He's also wasted. Yeah, but in Vino Veritas. That's true. I don't think this... It doesn't... It's not fundamentally changing his personality. He's just... He doesn't want kids to be orphans which is a low bar but it's the bar we need for the Slytherins we've met so far yeah that's true so this is one of those things where I wish we had a kid Slughorn I know it'd be so great to have a young Slytherin who had similar qualities of being kind of self-involved but like really fucking clutch and throwing good parties like I bet Slytherin throws bomb parties I mean, I don't have any evidence of that outside of Slughorn, you know, so far. But Slytherins... Who's their head of house? It's Snape. Yeah, that's true. When we overheard the conversation in the Slytherin, like, car on the Hogwarts Express, it was, like, pretty bitter and, like, snipey. I don't know. Maybe this is just a bad bunch. I mean, it's a bad time to be a Slytherin. Yeah. It's kind of, it's kind of a bleak Maybe time. Maybe Slytherins were more like kick-ass in Slughorn's it day. It would be really shitty to be a non-Death Eater Slytherin in this particular moment in wizarding history. Because you'd be hanging out with all these guys and you'd be like, I'm just kind of selfish. I'm not evil. <laughs> like, I know what I want from the world, but it's not to kill mudbloods. I don't want to hang out with these guys. It would suck to be a normal Slytherin. Yeah, that's true. If you were kind of during the Harry Potter era. Be like being David Brooks. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm very Heaven concerned. help uh. us <laughs> if we're David Brooks. I can't. We talked about Ross Douth that last time. I cannot talk about We're not David talking Brooks. about anymore. <laughs> Done talking about David Brooks, who is the opposite of David Brooks and your unsung hero. My unsung hero was Ron. We dunk on him a lot. But he did come up with the Felix Felicis idea, which saves the day. So good job, Ron. Way to use your critical thinking skills. Yeah, he really does. It's a great idea. Mine are Aragog's kin, his sons and daughters and grandsons and granddaughters and gender nonconforming spideys. I just like that the second he's dead, they're like, yeah, you can't come here anymore. We're, <laughs> we're done with that. I think it's hilarious. 
I don't know if it's heroic, but Hagrid kind of deserves it. Deserves it? They're not cuddly. (laughs) They're just asserting their right to be fucking monster spiders. (laughs) Get him out of here. He's interrupting. He's intruding. Hagrid is an intruder on their way of life, and Aragog allowed it, but I think it's super valid for the spiders to be like, no more, bro. How pissed are the centaurs that there are now giant spiders in the Forbidden Forest because of Hagrid? Yeah, fair enough. How did Aragog... He hatched him from... No, I know where Hagrid bought the egg from like a stranger somewhere, but like a... Oh, how did he reproduce? Yeah. I have no idea. Like... Where did Mrs. Aragog come in? On, like, fucking Spinder or something. <laughs> <laughs> and with that. <laughs> Not Bumble. That's for bees. This week's, this week's episode is brought to you by Acromantula Venom. It's good to the last drop. The audiobook clips that you heard are courtesy of Penguin Random House Audio. They are from Jim Dale's performance of Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. In case we haven't reminded you of this recently, these audiobooks are amazing and everybody should be listening to them if you need comfort on these cold, cold days. We are on social media. You can find us wherever it is you find such things at Quibbler Podcast across the platforms. You can send us an e-owl at quibblerpodcast at gmail.com. And uh, you can DM us. You can send us good thoughts. You can rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or whatever your platform of choice is. A listener who works for the federal government said that the pod helped them get through the recent shutdown. Yeah, that actually meant a lot to us. We were very touched by that. As the children of federal workers, workers, we know how difficult that can be. So glad. It's a shitty time. We could help. Honestly, Quibbler has accomplished its mission. (laughs) Helping people. If we can be there for you, that means everything to us. Tell us what's up. Tell us how you're feeling. Tell us how much you love Ron. We're here for it. I get it. And... Next time, we will be reading the chapters called Horcruxes and Sectum Sempra. So we'll talk to you then. Thanks, amigos. Harry Potter, bellowed Hagrid, slopping some of his 14th bucket of wine down his chin as he drained it. Yes, indeed, cried Slughorn a little thickly. Harry Potter. The chosen boy who will. Something of that sort. Isn't he beautiful? Hagrid murmured. He reached out a hand to stroke the dragon's head. It snapped at his fingers, showing pointed fangs. He's fighting civilization itself. It is the same civilization that cast Thoreau out of Walden and John Muir into the wild. Bless him, look. He knows his mummy.